Hello, and welcome to Dragon's Demise, the podcast about what happens on, around, and behind the tabletop. On today's episode, I'm joined by my friend Greg to talk about what we've been playing and to review the game Heat. So, Greg, how have you been? Thanks for coming back. Thanks for having me back. Um, I've been well. Been uh, pretty busy. It's been a while since I've been on the show. Uh, graduated and found a job and had precious little time for games, but I try to make what time I can. So, I'm um, similar boat. Also, finally graduated and had very little time for the podcast, but I think that that'll finally be changing. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah hopefully, you know, you settle into a rhythm, and then you can kind of you realize you can make time for for everything that needs to get done. So. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if I start traveling more than I have already with uh, with work. I, right. I just came back from Chicago this week. I was there for pretty much three weeks. Wow. Uh, doing work. Uh, I actually got to check out the local ba- gaming store there, which was a lot of fun. Nice, nice. Uh, was it uh, was it pretty impressive? Bigger stock than here? Or? It was. It was. This is Chicagoland Games Dice Dojo. Okay. In, uh, in the north of Chicago, and they have a really big. Uh, game night on Wednesdays so I believe when I went there there were probably about 12 to 15 tables set up wow and their wall of board games is quite impressive Uh, as an estimate um, I would probably say oh they probably have at least a few thousand games on there good gracious I okay well I've got some friends in Chicago so I'm gonna have to pencil in a trip yeah and uh make an excuse to get out there so so wednesday nights is their board game night wednesday nights all so right if you go there wednesday night that's when they have their board games and everything like that so it's a very large board game store uh if you've been to labyrinth here in dc it's probably about double the size of that wow uh, okay in board games and they have one but one of the rooms is completely just dedicated to this is their game library and all the tables, while the other room is the store itself. That's nice. So, that's, that's real nice. Yeah, though another update is actually Labyrinth is expanding. Okay, well, that's exciting. Yeah, they're actually going to be more than doubling their their play uh, their whole space. Nice. And are they expanding in the the area where they are? Or they, yeah, they okay. they, bought, uh, they are renting out the uh, property right next door. Okay. And they're renovating it, uh, pretty much making a hole in the wall and you know putting it through. And so it's going to be a lot bigger than it is now. Oh. Hopefully, a lot more room to play, especially. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. that and for anyone who is in DC, I highly recommend going over to Labyrinth and checking it out. They have some of the friendliest staff that, uh, in all the board game stores that I've been to so far. Well, good for them. Yeah. So even though Chicago Land of Games was, it was really big and really uh, pretty good. But the first time I went there, a, not a single person from the staff actually came up to me and even asked, like even while I was browsing. Oh, geez. Uh, they, uh, one person may have said something like, hey, are you looking for something? I'm like, no, I'm just browsing. And they're like, okay, and, and just went back to sitting at the counter. Interesting. Um, the second time I went was a lot better. There, was, there were people there who actually walked through the, the um, gaming room. And then when I was walking around the store looking for something to buy, uh, they were actually like asking and like uh, talking to me about games and that kind of stuff. Gotcha. But the first time I was there, I was just like, uh, I can really appreciate the labyrinths. Yeah. Uh, uh, people were always there, always on top of things, and they do not pay me to th- say that. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Important to note: no sponsorship involved here. Yeah, no sponsorship involved. But I I really like the game store, so check it out anyway. Um, but onto what we came to talk about. So. 
Board games we've been playing. What have you been up to? Yeah, so um, I, like I said, I haven't had a lot of time to play board games, but just this past week, uh, we were able to, even though it's the summer, the campus gamers got together, uh, and I was able to play a couple of games, played a, a round of Seven Wonders, which I know we've discussed on here before. Mm-hmm. Um, always fun, lots of strategy involved there. Yeah. Um, and I was also pl- able to play a new, a new game, kind of a, a card-based cooperative game called The Grizzled. Mm-hmm. Um, you play as a number of French soldiers during the Great War, and uh, it's it's interesting in that the objective is not to uh, fight and defeat your opponents. Your objective is simply to survive and make it through the war without uh, it basically experiencing PTSD. And so um, it's, it's not a perfect metaphor, but when I look, first looked at it, I thought, oh, wow, this is really like uh, this war of mine the board game in, in kind of the sense that it's a lot more about the psychological impact than it is about actual combat. Um, but so that was, that was a lot of fun. I, uh, a friend of ours, Jeremy owns that. So I'm looking forward to playing that again with him. I'll have to try it out because that sounds really interesting. It definitely takes a different view of the war game. Oh, absolutely. Because most of the war games that you see access and allies, all those, it's all about winning the war. Mm -hmm. It's all about never about the single soldier. Right. Yeah. It's always very removed. It's very abstract and it's very, this is, you know, you have a token that represents your troops, plural, but you know, Mm -hmm. this is each player is dealt a card that represents a single soldier and Mm -hmm. that, that is their character for the, the duration of the game. So it's it's an interesting kind of take, um, mm-hmm. and it was refreshing yeah. to, to see something like that. So. Yeah, especially about something like World War One. Yeah. So uh, is it a new game? Do you know? I don't know. Um, it's new, obviously, for us, mm-hmm. uh, and it seemed fairly uh, fairly new in terms of its design. Obviously, I'm not like you know, yeah. I'm not a connoisseur. I can't identify the vintage based on. <laughs> appearance alone uh but it did seem probably i would guess it's come out within the last two years okay because i was going to say that that is a bit of a sign of almost the new way that people are looking at board games where you know pandemic legacy which came out time stories uh both of which are nominated for this year yields uh kenner uh, kenner spiel des jahres mm. uh so that's the uh, strategy game like the more advanced than, than the family games uh award okay. of the year i didn't realize um, there were multiple categories yeah so they have spiel des jahres kinder spiel des jahres which is kids Obviously. and kenner spiel des jahres which is the strategy games all right uh and both pandemic legacy and time stories got nominated for the Kenner Spiel des Jahres. And those are both very much story-based games and where there's a lot of narrative mm-hmm. along with the uh, actual uh, gameplay. Definitely. So Definitely. It, it's a different. Uh, so I think that this really does fit into that kind of category where it's, it's a new almost uh, idea of the games being not, not just the strategy, right. but also give it a little bit of narrative, give it a little bit more depth into connecting connection with the uh, actual people you're playing mm-hmm. yeah and that's definitely something that you know i appreciate i've, I've been a big fan of you know story driven games or mm-hmm. at least games that have a rich setting a rich plot you know rather than simply pick up and, and go and kill your opponent type stuff so, exactly exactly um, it's refreshing to see so what about you what kind of games have, have you got a chance to play lately well i've been playing a lot of different games uh probably a few too uh, too many over the past uh, few <laughs> months not the past few Never weeks since I, since I haven't been around, but uh, I think I picked up a few that I really liked. So Heat is the one that we're going to talk about later on. Of course. 
but also I picked up a game, Kodama, which we got mm, to play. Yeah. I believe uh, you played that one too as well, right? I did. I played one round. Yeah. Um, so I, I got to play a few rounds with uh, with other people, and it seems to be a very... Uh, Pretty much ahead in our group like a lot of people do enjoy it quite a bit uh, the game itself is all about building the tree so mm. you have your tree and you're trying to please the kodama or tree spirits that you have um, and those are secret objective cards that you have and uh, you get three of them per game one of them per season so you have spring summer fall and it's a lot of fun because it's not placing cards in the traditional sense that you normally do where one card goes right next to the other and then like it just builds in a very logical fashion in this game you have to overlap cards and you have to be tricky about how you're you're placing them so at least they're touching bark but they're not covering anything else but you might want to you know branch off from this one so you want two cards touching it and other things like that so it definitely gives you a lot of spatial uh, placement and all that and uh, planning as well, since you already you have your all the um, extra cards that you're going to have already in your hand at the beginning of the game. So you, you can actually start doing strategy at the very beginning and then growing your tree from there. Right. And it's also really important to do that strategy right at the very beginning, because in addition to having to be very precise with your positioning, uh, once a card's on the table, by the rules, you're not supposed to be able to move it even just a little bit to, yeah. to jostle it. So you really have to be very precise and very delicate when you build your tree. Exactly. And you have to be careful like, what it's touching and you know how much you want it to cover and other things like that. So it is quite an enjoyable game. I, I've, I've really enjoyed it in the times that I've played it. So. Yeah, definitely unique. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen anything like it before, for sure. And then another game that I've been playing recently is uh, No Thanks. It's a game that I got uh, for our friend Jeremy, actually, pretty Mm. recently. Um, It's a game that I heard a lot about. And the concept of it is can be a little bit hard for some uh, some gamers or non-gamers to get uh, to, to think about because just like golf in uh, in regular sports, you're trying to get the lowest score. Ah, flip it on its head. All right. Yep. So the game is all based on saying you don't want cards. So there's cards that go from one to thirty five. Okay. And those cards are all shuffled together. Eight of them are removed randomly. And everyone gets uh, 11, to start with, 11 of these tokens that they can use for uh, to say no thanks. Okay. So a card is revealed, and you either take it and get the number of points that are on the card, or you take one of your tokens and place it on it and say, no thanks, I don't want this card. Hmm. And then it goes to the next person, next person, next person, and keeps going around. And the, uh, the tokens accumulate on the card, so okay. after a while it might be prudent to take this card because the tokens themselves are negative points. Ah. So, you know, if you have a, a card that's a 17 with 10 tokens on it, it's now equal to a 7. Right, really. right. Much more attractive. Yep. And the other thing about the game is if you have sequences. So if you have, for example... Uh, 22, 23, 24, 25, and 26, all of those together are only worth the first card, which is 22. Oh, wow. So if you were missing even one of those other cards, they'd be worth, you know, whatever is the lowest in the sequence. Right. And it could be two sequences. It could be anything like that. But that gives you a little bit of an incentive. Sometimes, you know, you might want to take that 35. 
Right. And you also have to be real careful about working towards like an inside straight where, Mm -hmm. you know, someone else could snatch up a card that you're looking for to complete that sequence before you have a chance to get it. So exactly. So it's really interesting and uh, it's a really quick game. So it like goes through you. You keep you play the cards and uh, it just keeps going really quickly. But it can also be uh, you play it in like three rounds. So you know, your points accumulate. You could get negative points in one game and then like plus like sure. 100 in another game. So it's a lot of fun. It's very simple, very quick. And I really enjoyed it. I'll have to check that out. And the last game that uh, we actually played together, finally, Kingdom Builder. Yes. So this is a game that both of us, we figured out we wanted to play it at the same time when we saw Will Whedon's episode on it. Right, which uh, was last summer. Yeah, like eight months before we actually got a chance to play it. Yes, and I bought it that pretty much that night kind of thing. It was within a month I had the game in my room, but we just weren't able to get it to the table. There were uh, something else going on, some other game that we were more excited about, or I just wasn't able to get the players together at the table. And finally we got to play it. And I have to say, it did live up to my expectations. I would agree. It was a very fun game. Uh, this is also another Spiel des Jahres winner. So I quite enjoyed it. And it has a lot of strategy, a lot of replayability. I personally like that there's no way of getting... There's only one way of getting points that is the same every game. Yeah, yeah. And I was going to say, there's a lot of you know strategy involved with your placement and all of that. But mm-hmm. it's also, at the end of the day, very simple. Yes. You know, very straightforward game. It's all about placing tiles. And there might be different strategies for accomplishing that. There might be the different special buildings that you can get access to. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, end of the day, that's really the core mechanic. And that's, I think, one of the reasons that the game shines is that it doesn't try to do too much, which yeah. some of the games that have come out, you know, they benefit from complexity, but others of them really kind of, uh, you know, trip over their own feet for yeah. trying to be too complicated. So. Yes, exactly. So I, I really appreciate that this game, the rules are, you get to place three settlements every turn. And then that can be changed by the uh, different, how, uh, what are the tiles that you get access to? So you build next to a certain tile and that can say, uh, you build next to an oasis. You can build on, uh, put one settlement down on an oasis every turn because right. by using it. Right. Or uh, other things like the, you can move them using the cart or mm-hmm. uh, anything like that. And those don't even stay the same because you're using different maps on each, each time. And, and different victory point conditions. Different victory point conditions. There's a lot that will change. But that, for, that rule mechanic of just putting three down every time stays the same. Yeah. Which uh, I found that I really liked. And I have the expansion. I got to play that with Jeremy. And that changes a few of the things. It just adds pretty much more um, more ways to score the victory points, more different cards for that, as okay. well as um, a few other abilities that you can get by uh, in the same way. Sure, sure. So just expanding on kind of some of the stuff that's already there, but not really exactly not really finagling too much of the yeah, thing. Exactly. So it keeps the formula the same, but it's still extremely enjoyable. Oh, great. So those are pretty much the games that I've been playing lately. 
there's going to be a little bit more talking about some of the prototypes I've been playing because I got to go down to MegaCon uh, the, about two weeks ago, I think it was. And I was down there for a volleyball tournament and it just so happened to be a, uh, you know, a, a convention right next door. Uh, right. And because of course it was. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, it was... It was a comic convention, so it was mostly anime, uh, cosplay, comics. Like you do. And, and that kind of thing. But, of course, in every one of those conventions, there's also a board game room. So I managed to find my way right to the board game room. <laughs> and when I was there, I got to meet some really cool designers and got to play some really cool games. So in the next episode, I will be talking about those. Or possibly I've already talked about them in the previous episode, depending on which order I decided to put it up on. <laughs> um, so uh, that will be at some point or has been at some point. Now, let's go ahead and move to the meat of today's episode, talking about heat. Heat. Yes, I love heat. Yes. So not just the summer heat, but... The board game. There has been plenty of the former, uh, but also plenty of the latter. We've um, mm -hmm. we've introduced it to uh, our group of friends, and it's another one that's been very popular. Yeah. Um, Heat is really at its core uh, just a drafting game. Yes. Um, you you are petty criminals. You and up to five uh, up to four other people, five players mm -hmm. total, um, are petty criminals looking to make a big score, and you have to manage how much money that you take in. By, by playing, you know, uh, pickpocket cards or bank job cards or things like that. Yep. Um, fencing the goods uh, with how much heat you gain. Heat, of course, being uh, the attention from the police. Mm -hmm. So um, almost like a wanted level in GTA. Yeah, yeah, very similar, very similar. But mm -hmm. uh, heat is shared between all the players. There's a finite number of heat cubes are what they're represented by mm -hmm. uh, within the game. And so each player can take, you know, up to a certain amount of that heat and then eventually it just, it runs out. Yeah. And uh, the more heat that is accumulated by players, the more heat that's out overall, mm -hmm. the more you have to pay for each heat token that you personally possess at the end of the game. Yep. Um, so it can be, it's a lot of... Uh, We've we've taken to referring to it as kind of a prisoner's dilemma mm -hmm. in that um, if you are the only one to take heat, then chances are each of those cubes is only going to cost you two, maybe three dollars at the end of the game. Yep. But if everyone's taking a lot of heat, uh, the cost can go up to five dollars per cube. Exactly. Exactly. The cost goes up to four or five dollars per cube. And the uh, the impact of doing that obviously hurts you more, even though, mm -hmm. you know you got to take a lot of heat if you want to get the big bucks. So To put it in context, the largest amount of, heat, of money you can get with one card is $5. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, context is important. Mm -hmm. So that way, you know, if each cube costs $5 and, and you're not putting that down every uh, every turn, you know, that, that could be a lot of money that, that you're losing. Yeah. So we've had people go into the negatives when we're playing oh, this game. Oh, at least one a game. Yeah. People go into the negatives uh, mm -hmm. for having too much heat and not enough money. Yep. So. so the game itself, this game is published by Asmati Games and is actually done by a local game designer. So Dave Chalker is here in D.C. Uh, he's a nice guy. I've met him a few times at Labyrinth. And I was going to say, you've you've had the chance to beat him. He signed your copy of the game, didn't he? He did, and he also taught me how to play it. So oh, that's exciting. So, yeah, uh, learning how to play the game from the designer is always a lot of fun. 
Um, and it was designed by him as well as uh, Chris uh, Tesic, I believe. If I am saying that wrong, I apologize. He'll contact you after the show. It's fine. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and the game itself, so uh, we gave a little bit of an overview of generally what the, you want to do in the game, but let's give it a little bit of an overview of the gameplay itself. So first is the drafting. Mm-hmm. And Dave has been working on some very unique drafting mechanisms, especially games like Heat. And I really like the way that it's done. Yeah. So you start with two cards in your hand, and you have a pile of three cards in front of you. And... You choose one of the two cards in your hand and you pass it to the person on your right. And then you take the card that the person on your left passed you as well as one of the cards from the three piles, uh, the, th- uh, the three cards in front of you. You now have three cards in your hand. You choose any of those three to again pass, get another card and pick one up from your pile. That way it's not just the things that people are passing you and there's that element of there's still another card in there that no one has seen that that can, uh, that does that gives a lot of secret information that people just don't have. Right. It's kind of even more than a, a typical drafting mechanic. There's a lot of progressive build to it because mm-hmm. it's not simply take one pass, take one pass. There's always that reserve that you have that you don't know what it is. No one else knows what it is, but it could be a really great card. Yeah. Could be something that no one else would pass to you. When everyone has a lot of heat, the cards that get rid of heat are very valuable, so everyone keeps those. Exactly. Uh, and so it gives you a little bit more of a um, a little bit more uncertainty about you know how how the, it goes, but also if you don't get it at first, it's not like you're never going to have that card. Ever. Right. Right. Well, because there's three heists yes. uh, throughout the course of the game. So even if you have maybe a really weak first heist, mm-hmm. you end up with a lot of heat, not a lot of money. Uh, there's going to be opportunities. Uh, you know, other cards will come around. You'll have uh, the chance to kind of set up some combos yeah. later on in the game. So. so these three heists are composed. So bear with me for a moment. We have three heists for the game. Each of those heists is composed of four steps. And each of those steps plays out in three phases. This may sound confusing, but it's not. <laughs> it's really, once you get a handle on it, once you're sitting there, it, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. So it's pretty much you just play play the game with without giving any money or heat back three times. Right. So you redraft three times, and that's the three different heists. The steps themselves are just what cards you put down. So you put down four cards out of your five in each heist. Right. And the order matters, of course, uh, as as it is in most of these kinds of games. Mm -hmm. But another fun thing that I like about the cards is that they actually interact off of each other. They really do. It's not just you're playing your cards. So a game like Seven Wonders, it does interact a bit, but mostly on the people to your right and to your left. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, it's a bit of a lighter game, of course, not not the uh, the heavy strategy of Seven Wonders, uh, or semi-heavy strategy of Seven, seven Wonders. <laughs> um, but it gives you a little bit more uh, interaction where uh, the cards that you play, you even there's even one card that you can play, and then uh, that lets you see what everyone else plays before you actually decide what you get to play. Right, right. And... Other ones, like the heavy, which depends on whoever else plays it, that's how much heat you get. So if three of you played a heavy in one turn, 
you're not getting a lot of money, but, but you're, you're going to take a lot, a lot of, heat. of heat. Yeah. <laughs> or other cards that say, you know, this this round, everyone gets um, an extra heat whenever they take any heat. Things like that. Yeah. There's a lot of interesting ways that you can interact with other players. And that's where the phases really come in is mm-hmm. that so each of the steps is every player chooses a card, puts a face down on the table. When all players have chosen their cards, they're flipped up. Mm-hmm. And then each card has a, a phase. So there's the A's, the B's, and the C's. And then there's a handful of cards that have actions taken during both phases. Or two of the three, yeah. Uh, yeah, two both. Two of the three phases. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got your A phase cards, which tend to involve uh, negating heat. So these are your lay lows, which are simple, straightforward. Take a heat from your stockpile, put it back into the center. If anyone else plays a lay low, you get to put more back. Right. Two more. Um, but there are also things that involve a lot of that kind of planning and preparation. So mm-hmm. that card that Jacob mentioned where you get to see what everyone else has played and then choose another card from your hand, that's an A phase card, basically. Mm -hmm. You get to just right away say, okay, this other person played a heavy, so I want to make sure that I don't play my heavy, but if no one else did, then you could play yours and manage to come away with lots of money and not a lot of heat. Or the same thing with the bank job, because if anyone else played a bank job, then neither of you get money, both of you get heat. Right. Right. And I've run into that many times. It happens pretty <laughs> consistently. Because um, bank job is the one that gives you the $5. Yeah. So that, yeah. One's, that one's the... the uh, everyone wants to play that, even if it gives you heat, because you get the most benefit right. out of it. Yeah. It's kind of, you know, it's a it's a pros-cons type situation, and so that's why that preparation card is so valuable. Because if you yeah. can guarantee that no one's going to take your money, mm-hmm. then you're in good shape. So Exactly. Uh, then you've got the B phase, which tends to be uh, the actual smash and grab jobs themselves so you make your money you take your heat bank job is a b um heavy is a b heavy is a b pickpocketing yeah that type of thing uh so generally speaking those follow the same pattern of take x money take y heat that Mm -hmm. sort of thing and then you have the c phase which is a little bit uh unique in that their cards tend to be about interacting with other players so the c phase cards will be things like fence the goods which is if any other player gained four money this turn you gain four money otherwise gain one or um something like if you have the least heat gain this much money otherwise gain this much money um so it's a lot of kind of gauging where you stand in the entire group of players so kind of i would I suppose I would describe them as the meta cards. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's part of what makes this game a lot of fun. The fact that you have the, this interaction, like these, like the meta cards or the cards that play off of what other players are, are putting down. Definitely. Um, and it, it makes you try to read people. It's like, do they have enough heat to play the, uh, the lay low card so that I can play mine and we both put back three instead of one heat? Right. There's you definitely know. an element of kind of being in your opponent's heads. Do you kind of, there's a psychological deduction element to it where you're, you're trying to figure out. Do I think they're going to play a bank job? Do I think they're not going to? Do I think they're going to play the feds and cause me to take more heat? So mm-hmm. you really have to kind of be trying to stay one step ahead of uh, of yeah. everybody else. So 
Exactly. And since the cards aren't passed around like in, in many of these uh, drafting games, you don't even know what's out there. Right. Because not all the cards are used at the beginning in the people's hands. So there is also a draw pile because there are some cards that you do need to draw with. Uh, so it's very much an imperfect information game. Oh, yeah. Uh, but that makes it a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And there's that element of social deduction in there, too, because you're trying to read the other players and see what they're going to play. Um, and in general, I think that it's very interesting. And the heat itself is also a very interesting and fun mechanic. So the way that that works is you have uh, a card that has a certain amount of heat on there, and it's a reverse pyramid almost, Yeah. where... Uh, the first time anyone takes heat, they take from the bottom, which is the least amount of money. And you, uh, the heat is worth however much money is in the lowest empty row. So it goes from one all the way up to five. And, you know, the first person takes heat. All right, they have one heat. That is now worth one dollar. At the very end of the game, at the end of the three heists, they have to pay it back for however much uh, uh, money it's worth. Not that exact heat cube, but however much money heat itself is worth. Right. And um, that is where a lot of people have gotten got in trouble. Yeah. Yeah, well, because people tend to forget how much heat they're taking. They're just like, oh, I want all this money. And then, you know, round three comes around and, oh, crap, I have five heat. Heat costs four money apiece. Mm-hmm. I'm negative. Yeah, exactly. And then there's also the... The idea that when you get too much heat, there isn't enough heat on the board, the police are taking action. Yeah. And therefore, something's going on. And this is a variant rule. This isn't something that uh, you have to play with. But I think we find it a lot more fun when we play with these consequences. It definitely makes things more interesting. So you draw cards from this other pile that has uh, consequences for there being no heat left in the uh, in the pile. So it could be that people, everyone has to pay, everyone who has heat has to pay a certain amount, and then they'll give back heat into the uh, the pool so that there is now heat that people can take. Right. And another one is, which we've stumbled upon a few times at the end of the game, has been, there's no more heat left. Okay, end this heist immediately. Right. Well, and it's just such a wrench in the gears because, you know, you've got this strategy. Say it happens in the first step of mm-hmm. a heist. You've got your cards that you've drafted and you say, OK, I'm going to play this on step one. I'm going to play this on step two. And it's going to be this great flow, this great synergy. And then all of a sudden someone has to take heat. There's no cubes left. And you just end the heist right there. Yeah, that's, you know, a complete disaster if you've done your preparation right. So yeah. it can really, really throw a wrench in your gears. Yep, and that, and as well as, it can also end the game right there if it's a third heist. Right. Which has happened a few times. The game is just immediately just, boom, done, over. Okay, yeah. count your money. Yep. <laughs> so I like the way that, that that whole wrench in the plans works, though. All right, Most of them are really interesting. There's, I think, one positive one where you just get to return heat without really much of a consequence. Yeah, I think that's true. But I think all of the other ones like punish you a bit for however much heat you have. The person with the most heat gets like has to pay more than other people and other things like that. Right. So it's a really good system, I think, for for keeping track of that and like making sure that people don't really go that far into debt, even if they do a lot of times. But, right. Um, and I think it it naturally tends towards balance because you're going to have some people that just play super hard. 
they take all the heat, they're trying to make all the money, that's just their natural play style. You're going to have other players that are much more cautious. Mm-hmm. So I think in each game, unless you're running into, you know, five players who are all <laughs> super go-getters, yeah. um, you're really going to find like a balance of heat and it's going to work out to where mm-hmm. it comes down to who managed their heat most effectively. Exactly. Exactly. And it's almost impossible to play the game without gaining any heat. It's, you can uh, give back your heat and you have uh, you can end the game with no heat, which I've done actually, but uh, that also doesn't mean that you win. Right, exactly, exactly. Uh, I've ended the game with no heat and have still lost to someone who had heat because they, they managed it so well that they, the balance between the money that they brought in and the heat that they had was such that it was better than my no heat. Yeah. So the game itself, it's, I think we've really enjoyed it. Yeah. And it's yeah, got definitely. a very good, not that complicated once you start getting to play, uh, play it. I think the first time when you're trying to explain it, it can be a little bit uh, heady in the way that it's uh, it's described and the way that it's uh, it's first played. But after one round of it, people are people start getting it. Yeah. People start yeah. understanding what's going on. For sure. So now let's talk a little bit about the game itself, how it physically looks, the uh, the components and all that of the game. So the game is mostly cards. You have uh, the cards that you draw that are part of your hand, mm-hmm. and then also the cards that you use for if there's no uh, heat left. Right. Pretty much those. You have uh, cubes for the uh, heat, a card that th- those sit on, as well as money components. Right. And that's it. So small yeah, game. Yeah. It comes in. It's definitely one of the small. I think it's a standard size small. Small box. Box. Yeah. I think that's. Based on a lot of the games that I've seen that fit in kind of boxes of that size, mm-hmm. it's pretty standard. So. Yeah, it's a pretty standard size small box. Um, but the cards themselves are very good, I think. Or decent, normal yeah. normal quality. I have nothing to complain about the cards. Yeah, the art is, is really great. It's really kind of unique, uh, exaggerated, comic-y style. Yeah, comic-y uh, style, but also not the comic colors because it's all like pretty much uh, black and, uh, or white and whatever color uh, of card that phase is. Right, yeah. So A phase is green, B phase is red, C phase is blue. So it's, it's this monochrome, but the style is really, uh, really great and kind of fits the theme of... Yeah, kind of classic old school movie hijinks yes, type of theory. It, it fits the uh, the artwork. Definitely does fit the game itself, and I, I like it a lot. Um, it's simple. Uh, everything the cards are easy to read, easy to understand for the most part. Yeah, uh, I haven't really had much problem with that. Um, so the cards themselves are good. So that's the the basic mechanics. The basic part of the game is is good. Uh, the cubes for the heat. Regular wooden cubes. No cubes. Yeah, the red wood cubes that uh, are all right. The card that the cubes sit on would be nice, which I'm, I mean, it's it's definitely a more expensive option to take and give it a little bit of like um, sunk in like little spaces for them to be That'd placed. That'd be great too. Yeah, well, because it is just a card. It's not even like a cardboard yeah. slate. So it would be nice, yeah, if you had something like with little indents where they could rest. But. Yeah, something like that. Just, just to keep it because uh, it, you literally just place it on top of the graphic of the cube. Right. So... I mean, it's not bad. It, 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 it gets the job done. Right. It's, you know, these are minor. These are nitpicky. These are nitpicky. Complaints. But I think where both of us have had the most issue has been the money. Yes. And this actually, uh, th- so on Thursday, I introduced Heat to a couple of new players, and this actually became 
uh, a really significant issue. So the money is represented by these simple little plastic chips. Yeah. Um, there's greens, yellows, and blacks. And these um, are the really cheap bingo chips. Yeah, much. they're the, the it, it's it's the bingo chips that you that you get that are like you know less than a millimeter thick, the little plastic ones that can fly anywhere or light as <laughs> all get out and just like it's, right. it, that's just how they are. But they also don't have any notation on there of what they're mm -hmm. supposed to be. So at the beginning of the game, I'm explaining to these new players, and I say, okay, green is one, yellow is five. Black is 10, mm -hmm. but then at the end of the game, when we're scoring how much money everyone has, I say I have 24, and someone else says, oh crap, are yellows supposed to be five? I've been treating, I traded in two blacks to get one yellow, thinking that blacks were five and yellow was 10. So it really becomes, you know, you can keep it in your head, but if the chips were a little bit more substantial, if they had notation on mm -hmm. the chip itself of what it was supposed to be, yeah. You know, we obviously wouldn't have had that issue. So, um, even just uh, cardboard pieces like like you have in Small World or or uh, Five Tribes, something like that, just like little exactly. pieces like that that have the the number written on them. Yeah. Um, or you know, if you wanted to do stylized, uh, uh, make them look like dollar bills and make them rectangular, uh, something like that. It just it takes away from the game in that. Like when I first saw it, I was just I was very put off by the chips, and I think that there are I probably if this game had been laying in in the gamer's uh, box, I doubt a lot of people would have picked it up, because the box itself is all right. the bo The box art is very simple; it just says heat on the top with, right. with this, a little bit, and it's not selling the game. It's this. This is the kind of game that if you know it. You'll you recommend it. You'll recommend it, but unless someone recommends it to you, I don't think that it's a game that people would most likely pick up. Right. Uh, and when you open it, so let's say you do pick it up as someone who's never played it, you open it and you see these pieces. Usually a deal breaker. Right. Because you'll see them and you'll be like, "This is not a well-made game." Why? How would the mechanics be good if they didn't put enough into it? Right. The, and that's the, the thing too. Components. You know, I mentioned standard size boxes you have industry standards for the way your pieces are supposed to look and so the cards definitely you know they reach that goal but the the chips are yeah. definitely lackluster and i think for people who play a lot of board games people like you and me yeah we recognize that and yeah. so maybe a person who's not super familiar with board games they're just getting into it mm -hmm. maybe not so much but definitely for the the career quote players but at the same time you put that side by side with another small box game tiny epic galaxies sure something like that like the box art even like put it next to each other what's someone going to pick up right like they're going to pick up tiny epic galaxies because they have really nice box art if you put the components next to each other you have them both set up like you know who's going to look at you know the the nice wooden spaceships of tiny epic galaxies versus the little uh plastic poker chips of of the heat yeah so I think that that's where they can definitely improve. If they did another second edition, it would be that would be the like, the gameplay is, is great. Mm -hmm. We both love the gameplay, but that needs to be improved. I would agree. It's something that is to the point where I'm pretty sure I'm going to get uh, like pieces myself, uh, mm -hmm. either some metal coins or something else, because I really enjoy the game. But I'd love to have those pieces be be nicer. Right. So I'm probably going to get an upgrade kit of some sort and uh, use those in the game rather than using the original chips that they, they put in there. Yeah. Um, 
But that being said, I believe that that's just about all we have for the components themselves. Yeah, that's about all the components yeah. there are. Yeah, that is. It's a very simple game. So let's talk about overall. What do you think of the game? Overall, uh, I thought it was great. I, you know, apart from what we've just said about the components, I have nothing negative to say. I think that the drafting mechanic is really well thought out and unique, even within the subset of drafting mechanics. Yep. I think that gameplay is straightforward and uh, simple enough to pick up, but also nuanced in that you interact with other players and there's, there's kind of a higher order complexity involved with when do I take heat, when do I drop heat. Um, so I think the gameplay and the game overall is extremely compelling. Um, yeah. And I agree. I, I think exactly the same. I also have really enjoyed playing the game. And the fact that every single person that I've played this with so far has been asking me to play another game right afterwards is enough reason for me to say 100% get this game, play it. It's not very expensive. It's a lot of fun uh, and it can play up to five people. So it's not, it's pretty much like a mid-sized group, which mm -hmm. is nice. Yeah. Um, and it's just a, a really fun game. If you, if you are like me and don't really like the chits as the components, just get some of the either cardboard, plastic, anything. You can even use poker chips if you wanted to, like as, as the money substitute. But the gameplay is very solid and a lot of fun. I would probably give this game um, about a 7 out of 10 uh, would be my score. Probably missed the 8 out of 10 because of the fact that uh, the game gameplay pieces are not as good. I was thinking pretty much exactly the same thing. So, Yeah, so I think that that's uh, just about it. Concludes our review of Heat. Now, there are a few other things that I uh, just wanted to make some announcements about Dragon's Demise. So first off, I wanted to announce, uh, if I hadn't already, that we are sponsoring WashingCon again this year. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to be in the Georgetown uh, University Hotel, and that's where the convention is going to be held. There's going to be there's room for over a thousand people, I believe. So it went from 200 people last year, which was the uh, the limit that we had on tickets, all the way up to you know a thousand. So it went five times bigger. Um, and so we've got a large venue, a lot of really cool sponsors. So Green Ronin is going to be there. We're going to have Bully Pulpit Games, uh, I believe North Star Games and a few other ones. I forget which ones they all are. Check out the web website, washingcon.com. And what we're looking forward to is we're going to be interviewing a lot of game designers there. So we're going to have our booth and we're going to be doing interviews of game designers and then you'll have an opportunity to play the game with your favorite game designer who's there so you know uh, i know that there are going to be um uh, dave chalker is going to be there so he's going to talk about heat uh, again like, with us and then um possibly also talk about the new game that's coming out he said that it should be out in, by gen con so uh that's before Washington, so hopefully we'll have that game with him. Okay. It has a very cool, unique drafting mechanic for dice this time, uh, which I am really looking forward to discussing and trying out. Uh, I know that um, uh, Ben Rossett, who is the designer of uh, Brewcrafters, is also going to be there. Um, and one of Greg's favorite games. One of my favorite games. <laughs> it's about beer and it's a heavy strategy. I mean... <laughs> it's pretty much right up my alley. <laughs> I don't think that they could. you could have a game written for you that's better than that. 
Nope. <laughs> so he's going to be there, and we'll probably be talking about uh, to him about Brewcrafters, Between Two Cities, uh, Mars Needs Mechanics, and possibly some of the other games that, that he has made. And uh, we really hope to see you there. It's going to be... Uh, it's about $40 a ticket, I believe, at the moment for both days. So it's a two-day con, $40. It's really uh, well-priced. So come on down, and we really hope to see you there. And with that, I believe that is all for today. If you don't have anything else. I don't. All right, cool. Well, thank you all for joining us, and hope that you tune in again for next week's episode. <laughs>